welcome to the Hadassah Collective podcast. I'm your host, Claire Marinan. The Hadassah Collective is a unique wellness-centered community created in and inspired by India, the birthplace of holistic health disciplines. The Hadassah Collective podcast brings together a carefully curated selection of my most trusted and inspiring innovators from every area of the health and wellness space. I invite my guests to freely share their gifts, their wisdom, their journeys, and their diverse points of view, discussing a vast range of topics, including shutdown and self-isolation strategies, integrated diet and fitness, yogic science, modern mental health, and holistic lifestyle, all to inspire you with relatable tools to help you consciously customize, support, and expand your life. Welcome back to part two of the Human Design Experiment episodes with Rachel Lieberman from Pure Generators. In this episode, we dive a little deeper into the less talked about aspects of human design. So if you haven't listened to our first episode, please go back and check that episode out so that you get the basics of what human design is all about and the key things in your chart that you need to look at. In this episode, we go a little deeper into some of the more intricate parts of your chart. So as with the last episode, I highly recommend printing out your chart or having it in front of you as you go through the episode so that you can see the parts and the aspects of the human design chart that we're discussing in relation to your own chart. And you can find your chart at myhumandesign.com. We'll get stuck into this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Rachel. Welcome back to the Hadassah Collective for our part two of human design. Um, So great to have you back. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to get into some of the more nitty gritty aspects of human design and some of the more detailed aspects of human design that I don't often hear discussed, but are really important. And um, I think they're not discussed maybe because they're sort of hard to generalize. And they're more um, intricate in terms of someone's specific chart. So I have advised the listeners to have their own chart downloaded. And so as we talk about some of these things, they can see them and see where they're at in their own chart. Yeah, that's a good idea. Amazing. So let's get stuck right in. And let's, let's first talk about profiles. I think this is something I find really fascinating. Um, I'm personally a 4-1 profile. What are you? I'm a one three. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So let's talk about all of the different profiles and what they mean and how they kind of express in the world. Yeah. Profile is definitely one of my favorite aspects of human design. I think it's kind of one of the least appreciated, but the most useful. Mm-hmm. I think it is one of the things that can be somewhat generalized. There are things yeah. that affect our profile, but Generally, if I know someone's profile, I can kind of know certain things about them. So the profile is kind of, it's kind of like a role we play in the world. You get two numbers. So one is, comes from your conscious side of your chart. So it's something that, and that's the first number that connects more with your personality. Like it's something you'll recognize in your, in yourself, um, in your personality, And then the second number comes from your design side or your body side, unconscious. Those are all kind of the same thing in a human design chart. And that one will kind of, it'll, it'll show up in your life. It'll affect the way you move through the world, but it might not be something you 
completely identify with on a personality level. Mm-hmm. And together, the two kind of have this interplay. And there are 12 different combinations of these that you can have. And some of them are, they kind of harmonize in that they kind of go together. Some of them are almost opposite energies. You kind of feel like you have this tug of war inside of you. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I just sort of think of it as pieces of these kind of collective experiences that we all have in a way, because these profile lines They're energies that show up in a bunch of different parts of the human design system. A lot of it is based on, like, these six lines. Mm. Um, But when they're part of our profile, it's almost like we're living those out in front of everyone in a much more obvious way. I was literally just kind of, like, realizing this today and talking about it with a human design friend. (laughs) So that's, like, a brand new way I would describe this. But that's how it feels is, like, we all have these kind of six profiles inside of us or six lines of the profiles. But when they're part of our profile, it's just very obvious to the world how that manifests. Yeah, yeah. And so can you describe the um, six different profiles? Yeah. So the six lines, you'll have a combination of two of these. And so the one is kind of the foundation energy, you can think of this as it has to do with the I Ching, which I really don't know a ton about the I Ching, but mm-hmm. you can kind of think of it as like the base. And um, the one is this investigator energy. It wants to get to the bottom of things. It's kind of insecure and therefore it wants to figure things out and learn things and come prepared to a situation um, so you and I both have that in our profile. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting because in the last episode where you said like, oh, when I, you know, when I want to know about something, I want to find out all about it. I was yeah. like, oh yeah, she's a one. She's a one in her profile. Definitely. Um, and the two is, and these all, they kind of build on each other. So they're all very connected and related. The two is, they call it the hermit. Um, this is an energy where it kind of, recedes back and it's very much in its own its own space its own talent its own world it has a little bit of a hard time seeing itself um but there's kind of always this like crack of you know the blind is drawn a little bit and people can always see into them and so people are very drawn to these people to they see what they're good at and they want to be part of that and they want to invite them out to do different things but these people they should only really leave their sacred space where they're kind of chilling in their own energy if it's something that really feels like a calling for them so then we have the three the three is where we move to experimentation and life experience so like the one is kind of theory and knowledge the two is kind of this like uh this engagement in something, but without a lot of like awareness around it. And then the three is just like out there. It just kind of puts it out there. So people who have the three, they kind of feel that there's no such thing as a regret, that everything has added up to something in their life. They kind of can't, um, they can't like hold on to something for too long. They can't sit back and study it for too long. There's just something that 
kind of pulls them out into the world to try it maybe before they're 100% ready or what does that even mean? And they also have this air of relatability because they've kind of seen it all and done it all. Mm. Um, then we move on to the four, which they call the opportunist. But this is kind of where these very internal processes get shared out mm-hmm. to the collective. So the four energy is very connected to the people around it. The, the people that it's close to, its relationships are very important. It shares out basically the stuff that it's found um, through sort of the one through three energy in a way. Mm -hmm. So with these people, their relationships need to be really even. There needs to be like an even give and take. Um, They really want to know that the people that are around them are in their corner and really support them. Um, But also they like they have a bit of an agenda. Like there's something they want to share. They just, they want to, they want to get it out there. Um, the five energy, they call it the heretic. These are kind of the classic human design terms. A lot of people don't like these. I think they're fine because I don't really like give too much weight to them. Yeah. But the heretic, this is, this is the energy where it has a bit of mystery around it and it, it's kind of like a savior energy. Uh, It has these practical solutions and people will naturally kind of project things onto this energy. And so people who have this in their profile will often find that people kind of just come at them with these ideas and they don't really know how these people got these ideas about them. They tend to be positive, but they can also be negative. And so for these people, it's like they can kind of, use that to their advantage because none of these things are ever fully good or fully bad. They just kind of are a mix of both. And so they can, they have this ability because no one can really see them. They can sort of talk to everybody. Mm. So it's like, they're able to get this message out, not just to the people that they have these reciprocal relationships with like the four, but they can stand in front of a group of people and somehow their message will kind of land on everyone. Whereas the rest of us, maybe we'll, we'll reach the people who are kind of, vibing with us but maybe not like everybody um and then the six is kind of the culmination of all of this and this is where the energy sort of takes a step back and observes and the six they call it the role model because no matter what they're doing or whether they're aware of it or not people can always see them they're sort of up away from sort of the chaos below and people are always looking to them for the example for what they should be doing. And so these are kind this is kind of the, the leader energy because it has all the wisdom of all of these energies under it that mm-hmm. have gone through all of the experience, gathering all these things and experiencing all these things and sharing all these things. And they're the ones who can kind of take a step back and just see how it all connects together. So there's the profile line. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's so interesting. And so, when you were talking about conscious and unconscious, so ours are, our one is positioned differently. So mm-hmm. yours is um, conscious or unconscious? Mine's conscious. Okay. So it's more aligned with my personality. And then, yeah, yours is unconscious. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. And so my conscious would be my four, my, you know, wanting to share, my sharing with people. 
But I think that's mm -hmm. a really a nice way of describing the full one, actually, because it's something that, you know, I've tried to do a lot of research on, but there's not a lot of information out there about sort of living aligned with this full one. And um, I think it's quite that's quite a fascinating way to put it, and it makes sense that it's like I have this quiet investigator, I get obsessed with things, but then I want to share what I've obsessed with. I sort of feel like even with the Hadassah Collective, I'm, I'm living that, you know, I found all of these amazing people and their information and mm -hmm. I want to share that with people. So that's, that's a really interesting um, eye-opener for me in that space. And so how do you suggest people work with their profiles? Yeah, I think just learning the basics of what these energies mean and then just starting to observe, observe yourself. And I think learning the profile of a few really key people in your life that you know really well is super helpful. That has been the most educational to me is just see Like I didn't really understand that interplay between the four and one mm. for a long time because yeah, theoretically a lot of this stuff that you read about human design is kind of like, they say the same stuff over and over again. It's like, yeah. what does that even mean? But my dad is a one four. And finally, mm -hmm. after a while, I was like, oh, I get like, I get it. So mm -hmm. it's like, he's always doing this research. And then he wants to like, tell everyone about it. Mm -hmm. So then I kind of started to understand how those two went together. And then as I went on, I started to understand the four one a bit better, which is, mm -hmm. di it's different. It's similar. But yeah, I think that's a really good, just get like the basic understanding and then start seeing how it shows up in people's lives is a really good way to go about it. Mm, absolutely. I'm interested to see, I'm going to have a look at my mom's chart actually, because I'm sure she is a one four and it's kind of a different expression of this. It's similar energies, but it's a different expression. <laughs> Whereas my mom will be researching something and she's the most, if you want something researched, she's the one to go to you know, um, mm -hmm. but you'll know she's researching it, you know, and mm -hmm. then she wants to share it with people. Whereas I think the four one is kind of the opposite to that is what we'll maybe quietly research things and figure things out. And then once we're ready, we'll want to share that once we've kind of, you know, not mastered it, but got our head around it or created our own perspective around it. So that's fascinating. Yeah, profiles, I think, very, very interesting, an integral part, but that's a great tip to be able to understand the people around you better in quite a simple way. Um, yeah, because we all have, I mean, even in these coronavirus times, we've got someone in our life that we're connected to, or yeah. at least we're at some point. So yeah. it's just like the most, it's the best like free education there is basically <laughs> just yeah. seeing how people are, are showing these things. And I mean, the way that I guess, you're curious about the four one, like the way that I have come to understand it is that, you know, they say, they say it's like these, you know, four ones have no karma or whatever. That has never fully landed with me. Like this idea of the, the bonus life, like I sort of get it. I could sort of see how you would think about it that way, but I don't think it's very helpful in um, like actually knowing how to live with it. Cause it's like, what does that even mean? Yeah. It's like, okay, and great. I see it as do whatever, whatever, whatever yeah. I want, and it doesn't matter. It's like, no. Exactly. I think the way that I see it is there's this, this, there's this, like, for me, so I'm a three line, I'm a one three. And so what, how that shows up is like, on the personality level, 
I want to get to the truth of something. Like yeah. I have this strong drive to figure out the truth. What's the truth? Yeah. So I'll research and I'll do the thing and whatever. And I'll do my, you know, my observations. But then there's also a part of me that says, but how do we know if it's the truth if we don't test it out? And so mm. I have to test it out. That's that three. And so it's always this interplay of like, all right, you think this is the truth. Now go try it out. Like, is yeah. it? Nope. Okay. Back to the drawing board. Is it holding up? Yep. It's still holding up. And like, it'll hold up until I'll, nope, it's not holding up. Okay. Back to the drawing board. So it's like, you're just in this constant, like we're, we're called kind of like the mutators. Yeah. But with the four, they don't question the truth that they have or find mm. with their one. So like, it's kind of a more, it's, it's almost like it's, Stubborn, but I don't mean stubborn in like a bad context. It just doesn't really, it's got its truth and it's not trying to, to question that it yeah. knows it's truth. And mm-hmm. so what I see the four one as is like, you've come with a truth and there's a truth that you've discovered mm-hmm. and that's just very real for you. And you just want to share that yeah. with other people. Yeah. And, and the people either those will people will be on that. board or they won't. Yeah. And if they're not, you're not really interested in like changing them. (laughs) Like you're just like, well, I guess you're not for me. Yeah. I think that actually sums me up really well, to be honest, because, you know, I will have a deep knowing about something and I know what you're saying in a stubborn kind of way, because when I have an inner knowing, the external doesn't challenge that for for me, Yeah, you know? And um, so I, I kind of, I'm kind of grounded in that inner knowing and, you're right. I always just feel like the people that are meant to receive it will receive it. And if they don't, that's okay. You know? So yeah. that's a nice expression of that. I'm interested to see the flip side of yours, the three, one, how that is expressed. Are they kind of the people that will play in life and then they'll learn their, they'll learn their lessons. Is that sort of the flip side of that, that they'll do the experimenting and then they'll, investigate why that didn't work out or why that worked out so interestingly enough that one doesn't actually exist it's random how these are yeah so Mm -hmm. it's like the one three exists but there's it's like not every combination exists so yeah it's like the four one and the one four do to Mm -hmm. do but what's weird what's weird about the one three is that it's the only one, like the one through the three are kind of focused on the self. It's not really about any interaction with the other. The four, five, six are about like leading the other or solving something for the other or connecting to the other. The one in the one, two and the three are not about that. It's about the self. So the one three is the only one where you don't really, your process isn't about the other. Mm. So it's, it's not like other people don't factor in. They definitely do. But it's like, it's kind of similar to the 4-1 in that my relationships, they persist as long as there's some kind of growth happening yeah. for, for me and for the other person. Like, we're growing together. Yeah. And I'll, I'll hit, like, people with three lines will hit a place where, like, if that relationship just, there's nowhere else to grow, then mm-hmm. sometimes that'll, like, that'll just come apart and it's Mm kind of time to part ways and they'll just, they call it breaking the the bond. Mm. So so, yeah, it's sort of interesting. It's like sometimes people look at one threes and they're like, well, that's kind of 
you know, these people just don't care about other people. But it, no, it's not like that at all. It's like we're very, we do really care about other people. Like I've heard it described as like, they love being a teacher. They love having a class, but they don't really care who the students are as long as they're students. Yeah. So it's kind of like, <laughs> like we love the people when they're on the journey with us, yeah. but we don't like if they're not, if they, if they're not wanting to be on the journey anymore, like we'll find the net, we'll find someone else. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't really know why there's not a three one. Yeah, that's I don't know. It just, I don't, yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> That is interesting. And, um, yeah, so to, let's talk about the, um, the, the personal karma versus is it collective karma? Because that's how the full one, I think, got the label of bonus life because it's neither. And sort of I always took that inter interpretation as a, as a lightness. And so it's like, and I'm here also to, to work on, my own personal growth, my own personal transformation, and also collective transformation. So it's both, but I'm neither obliged to one or the other. I, I've always taken it as a kind of lightness around that. Yeah, and you are, you guys get those, you get that special incarnation cross that's mm -hmm. like a juxtaposition mm -hmm. because there's something about the way that that one and four interplay that they are very harmonious because if you think about it, like that thing of like finding information, sharing information, like that's very, there's no conflict there. Yeah. Like it's, it, it harmonizes. And so there's something about the geometry of that. I don't explain this very well, but it just, it's fixed. It doesn't move. So you mm -hmm. kind of come into life with this destiny mm -hmm. and, yeah, I think maybe that's kind of the idea of the karma is, like, you're not here to, like, rebalance anything this time, maybe. Yeah. It's kind of like you're in this just very, like, balanced kind of fixed place. And, um, yeah, it's, like, people with my, with mine, they call them, we get these right angle um, incarnation crosses. It's, like, we're working something out within the self. And then the people who get the left angle ones are working something out within the other. And you're just kind of floating in the middle somewhere. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. And um, so let's label these sorts of things. So the, um, the, the energy types, so the generator, manifesting generator, etc. This is sort of how we express energy in the world. But yeah, so let's sort of label these as expressions of how we show up in the world, I guess, and put it into some context, like the energy types are how we express energy, how we deliver energy and how energy moves through us. Is that correct? Yeah, it also, it's kind of like how we, how we take action in the world. We didn't even really talk about the authorities, but those are, mm -hmm. that's how we make decisions. There's a lot, I mean, there's, there's a lot of those. Um, most people are either making decisions from their gut, like a yes or no, or through emotions. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a, a lot of different authorities. So yeah, it's basically like how we move forward, how we make decisions. Um, yeah, what was the next one you wanted to? Um, maybe profiles yeah. as well. So how, what does that look? Is that, our, um, you know, is that tied to our purpose in the world? 
Yeah, I think it's sort of the most grounded way that our purpose shows up because mm-hmm. purpose can be such a deep soul thing. Yeah. But this is like a very grounded expression of kind of it's it's still a how. It's like how we kind of play that role in the world. Mm. Yeah. Oh, okay. So let's now move on to the incarnation cross. I find this quite fascinating and it's very hard for me to find information about my own incarnation cross actually. Um, but tell us a little bit about what on earth an incarnation cross is, and um, then we can discuss the different types of them. Yeah, so this is something that I think it, there's a little bit of misinformation mm. out there about, too. So because human design is all about, like, the physical energy It's not really like a destiny or a life purpose or anything like that. It's more like by shifting into this energy, you express your purpose. Mm. Like you don't actually, if you were to just follow human design and decondition, you would not have to actually think or find or deduce your life purpose it would just emerge naturally because Mm -hmm. as you deconditioned it would emerge so this is just kind of like another energy that makes that easier Mm -hmm. if you embody it and I definitely like I do not know there's like 152 crosses or something like that (laughs) so I don't even know that much about the majority of them what was yours again Mine is a juxtaposition of habits. Yeah, see that, like, I I don't know, I don't even think I know a 4-1, so Mm. I have, like, just absolutely no, like, lived experience with anyone with with that cross, but, like, what have you found about it when you've tried to read about it? Um, I thought it was interesting, actually, how it related to some of my other, um, another part of my chart as well. Um, so the juxtaposition cross of habits um, brings the energy of patterns and habits that you are here to have a strong influence on those patterns. In your case, it will be with respect to your own patterns, which are like ritual to you. So for example, you may have patterns about how many times you brush each tooth, which brush you ca- bus you catch to work, how long you take for lunch. And at times you may be very rigid about these things, but what you offer the rest of the world is that by having patterns, you can find individual rhythm. Without patterns, life can be chaotic, and you can help demonstrate the power of rhythm in life. And so I thought I thought that was quite interesting, because it's sort of part of my deconditioning, actually. You know, I really used to be, I know that you're kind of into astrology as well, so I found, like, south node, north node, very empowering for me. Um, yeah, myself, me too. Yeah, red is it's really, it was a, quite a game changer actually my south node is capricorn and my north node is cancer and so i resonated with that because previously especially in my 20s i was really structured you know it's very much like structured energy and so i thought that was interesting to sort of move into that cancer space of more feeling and um, more of that feminine energy coming through so when I saw that with the juxtaposition of the cross, I think that that plays in as well, that it's like, okay, previously I've been very rigid in these habits, but those habits still serve, right? They still serve mm-hmm. a purpose, um, but I just don't need to be as rigid with them as, as I used to be. So I think that they, they are really interesting. What is your incarnation cross? 
Mine is Vessel of Love. Mm, so this is a fairly yummy. Common that one. sounds a good one. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a good one. And I think it's really interesting that you bring up the point of how sometimes these things can c- conflict a little bit yeah. with other parts of our chart, our north node, our south node. And yeah, so mine is cuz each one each of the um like the, I think the left angles have like two variants and the right angles can have like four different variants of each cross. So mine is primarily about, well, it generally it's about really living in that energy of love. And there's four, it breaks it down into like four different types of love. It's like love of self, love of humanity, love of the body and the sensual experience. And then like sort of cosmic universal love um and actually the one that is like mine is focused on is the love of the body and the sensual and I've never fully resonated with that and then fairly recently I realized oh it's also my south node literally that Mm -hmm. same gate it's the 46 yeah so that would be why (laughs) that one doesn't fully I'm like, I get it. Like, I, I get why that's important, but I yeah. don't feel like I'm, like, going there. So yeah. I kind of didn't really get it. But I'm You've like, oh, well, it's also there. my south node. Mm. So, yeah, it's kind of like the – it, but it still works. It's like by remembering to be in that energy, I don't really need to, like, force it. Kind of like you're talking about, just allowing it to be there. Yeah. That's interesting like me, that both of us recognize that, that that incarnation cross is sort of, you know, it, it – speaks about this it sort of speaks of the south node or it has the same flavor of the south node yeah mm-hmm. it it literally does it's a even though my it our incarnation cross is always tied to our conscious sun which is kind yeah. of like our sun sign i'm a virgo sun but i'm the 21st of september mm-hmm. and i'm a libra south node but in the way that these gates happen to work that that year that um, that gate happened to be like a Libra gate, <laughs> even though I'm a like a Virgo. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is literally a, a Libra like Sun, and then I have a Libra South node. So mm-hmm. it's it is really interesting. But I think like, do you feel that when you allow those like rhythms and patterns to be in your life, that your life flows smoother? Yeah, but it's um. I don't really, as a personality, I'm always looking, like I can see patterns very clearly, like I can read Mm -hmm. energetics very clearly, I can see patterns in everything, and um, so I don't necessarily need to decide, oh, I need a routine for this, or I, you know, I've already, I've already got that, you know, and so I think what it is for me is accepting that, great, you already have the structure, but Mm -hmm. don't be so attached to it. You know, it isn't the be-all and end-all of everything. And, you know, if you eat bad food one day, then, the, you know what I mean? It's I think, you know, previously yeah. I would have been like, I'm eating healthy this week. And, oh, Tuesday I ate pizza. Well, you know what? Scrap it. We'll start again on <laughs> Monday. Whereas that kind of patterning has never served me. Whereas this more free flow of like, okay, so what? I had pizza. Tomorrow I'll have a smoothie for breakfast. Like, you know, that. So not holding too tightly to the patterns, but um, being aware that they are there is, is a good thing. For totally. Mm. 
Yeah, or even just questioning the idea of, like, what is a pattern? What is a, like, maybe you eat pizza, like, every week but a different day. Is that still a pattern? It's so interesting. Like, <laughs> yeah, it just makes you, <laughs> like, this concept of consistency. You just describe my dream up. life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, you know, this concept of, like, oh, you have to be consistent or generators are consistent in their energy. That comes mm. up a lot. And, I, like, I don't. It's like I've had to really expand my concept of what consistent means because yeah. consistent could be every day, but it could also be like once every two weeks. So it's yeah. like, you know, are you doing something consistently every day? I, I really have a problem with doing anything every day. It's just not yeah. who I am. But do I do it enough and frequently enough? Yeah. So that's consistent. You know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, that was something that I found interesting about the generator energy as well, is that when it was like consistently, I sort of almost felt like I should be let up, lit up consistently. And it was mm -hmm. almost like, oh, wow, I'm doing this so wrong because I'm not, you know. But I think there is also talking about patterns and cycles. I think when we line to the, um, you know, the cosmic cycles, the moon cycles, the seasons, um, you know, our bodily menstrual cycles, when we honor all of those cycles, um, that, if I'm honoring that space, I'm lit up. So it may be, mm -hmm. you know, like a space of a winter space where I'm kind of, you know, hibernating or whatever. But if I honor that, there's an energy, there's a, a lit upness about that. So it's not like, maintaining this consistent productive energy it's actually that internal lighting up and so that's how I've sort of transformed my perception of that generator energy that is so accurate and that's exactly the same conclusion I've come to is what I think gets left out in the generator narrative mm -hmm. and part of this may just be because a lot there aren't a lot of generators in the human design space and so how can someone know the intricacies of this if they haven't lived it it would Absolutely. be impossible I couldn't speak to projector experience yeah and really the the generate like what makes us generators is that we're consistently connected to life force and mm -hmm. that is running through us all the time and for us to think that life force is like a clockwork machine would be very wrong <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> it's yeah. not life force energy sexual energy creative energy it it has a life of its own and yeah it's like I feel like I live kind of with the seasons and with all these different things and it is consistent but it's not consistent every day yeah. so it's like some days I'm energetic and I you know work a long day and I'm just excited in that way and then the next day I'm just like much more chilling, kind of like flowing and doing something very different and resting a lot. But that's still a healthy generator expression because there's no frustration there. It's like yeah. just flowing. Yeah, absolutely. And when you look at so even the moon cycles or something like that, well, the full moon is very consistent, but it's not full mm -hmm. every day. You know, exactly. There are, there are different expressions of that consistency. So, um, yep. yeah, I think the narrative around the worker bee generator worker bee has mm -hmm. done a bit of a disservice because I remember when I first discovered human design and it was like oh generator working worker bee I was like oh my god that doesn't resonate with me at all because mm -hmm. I'm not that person I think it's it's a wrong description actually because if I'm lit up by something 
I can go without sleep. I can go, you know, I can just, you know, work it out and Mm -hmm. I can, I can have that real drive of energy. But if I'm bogged down in something, if something is not exciting to me or dreamy and poetic, basically, and I'm blah about it, then I don't have that energy. So it's observing that. So it's like, we're not actually made to be worker bees. We're made to be put on the the, plant, the the flower that we're getting our honey from, mm-hmm. you know, and that's when we can do the work versus, you know, you put on a cactus and then you're, you know, it's not, it's not happening for you, right? So I think that that is a sort of analogy that has led people astray in terms of generator energy. I totally agree. And really like, yes, generators and manifesting generators are the ones who probably have the most tolerance for like the 40 hour work week Mm -hmm. but that does not mean that that really works for us because I really don't think it does like of course I did that for so many years I had I had the stamina for it I could do it but I still was like pretty exhausted by that and I don't think it was like it definitely wasn't the highest expression of my energy I just kind of could yeah so yeah it's a lot of people find that when they come to human design who are generators or manifesting generators. And it's, it's like a bad taste in their mouth initially because it doesn't speak to the, the magic of being a, a generator or MG and just how connected we are to creativity and how much surrender it requires to allow that to be because it's like, projectors and and manifestors and reflectors people who don't have defined sacrals that's an area where they have a bit more flexibility so really depending on kind of like who they're around they can really take that energy in and like ride it Mm. uh and so they're a bit more flexible in how they spend their time I've noticed in particular that um like I see a lot of projectors they'll be like well here's my schedule and this is what I'm going to do today and you know it's a it's a schedule that works for their it's it's things they want to do it's things they're interested in it's the amount of work they want to do that day but they're able to kind of plan ahead how they're going to use their energy whereas mm-hmm. I don't feel that I can do that at all like mine feels very like it has a mind of its own and I kind of just need to surrender to where it wants to go cuz I'll get an idea in my mind of like well, I'd really like to do this today. But then I wake up that day and I'm like, I don't feel like doing that at all. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to do something else. So it requires like just a lot of surrender to allow that energy to go where it wants to go and not just question it. And I think that that is definitely missed when we talk about human design because where you have that consistency, it's it can be great because you have it, but you also have to surrender to it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's the definition of consistency. Like I think our world has conditioned us to a belief that consistency is a 40 hour work week and you go nine to five and you do, you know, you do the do's right. And people would Mm -hmm. say, Oh, that person is very consistent. Whereas um, for me in that kind of environment, my energy is not consistent. Like I may be lit up one day, but I'll still be present in that experience, but my energy level is not consistent. And so I think it's looking at the consistency of your energy rather than looking at the consistency of your actions. And, um, you know, I think um, 
this year has really given me the freedom, like 2020 has really given me the freedom and the space to actually kind of honor that a bit more than I usually could. Because we, we in the world, we do work on timetables and we do need to, you know, have time limits and stuff like that. Whereas this year, I've had a little bit more freedom to be like, okay, you know what, I need a nap right now. And um, I'll do that project, you know, later on or something like that. Because I am a constant planner as well. And so I can see this expressed even in myself is that I'll do a timetable. I'll be like, okay, I'll do this on this day, this on this day, this on this day, and the project will be finished. And what happens is when I was making the plan, I was super lit up. Then I'll maybe do one day and I'm super lit up. The next day, I'm not so lit up. And then because I haven't stuck to the plan, I'm like, feel like I'm behind and I'm not, you know, doing what I'm meant to do. Whereas if I just let go of it and let my energy lead me, then I actually get a lot more accomplished, you know? So Totally. Yeah. So I think that that's a good expression of that. So let's quickly talk about variables. I think this is interesting. It's such an easy, practical way that even a brand new person who's just ventured into human design can see on their chart and identify um, on their chart. So let's talk a little bit about that, what they yeah, are, where so they're placed. Yeah, these can go really deep, even to levels that I haven't had a chance to totally explore yet. But there's a couple really quick takeaways from these that I think are super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that I like to look at is the top left variable arrow. Mm-hmm. So that one, it so they're kind of like the ones on the right are talking about your your mind because it's your per, it's your conscious. Mm-hmm. And then the ones on the left are talking about your brain because it's your body. So that one is talk is speaking to um, kind of like right brain, left brain. Like, are you more of a, do you take in information in more of like a, like, do you, it's really like digestion. Do you digest in a more focused way and consistent way or in a more like open and less linear way? Mm. And So, like, I had an example of this that I shared on Instagram this week where I mine points to the right. It's actually the only one that I have that that goes right. Mm -hmm. And I think generally, so the way that these kind of work is, like, we're moving from a world where they were all going left to a world where they're all going right. So more people with the right-facing ones are being born. And... So typically where you've got a right-facing one, you've probably taken on quite a bit of conditioning. So people who have this facing right, we tend to not need to eat really consistently because our brains literally, like, they don't burn the fuel consistently. So, like, Mm. I was talking to a friend today. She's like, I've learned that I just need to eat if I'm using my brain and I am like crunching away and I'm working, I need to like eat a real meal every three hours. Like if I get, if I let myself get hungry, like my brain just cannot operate because it's kind of just like directly burning all of that. And then for me being a right brain person, I don't eat like I'll wake up, I'll have like 
some water and then I might not have breakfast until one or something like it's just like I just eat when I need to and then another day maybe I wake up and I'm hungry right away and I have something that I'm doing and that's what feels right so it's kind of like my brain operates in this this less direct way let me pull up yours what is yours so for those that are listening the areas you can find these variable variables on the chart you'll notice at the top of the chart on either side towards the head area there are four arrows and so we're kind of breaking down what each of those arrows means depending on where they're pointing so it's um it's an interesting analysis yeah okay i have yours back yeah, so yours is going left. So how do you, and this is this is something that I personally am still really experimenting with, but, like, how do you, uh, also, it's about, like, focus. So people with that arrow, t- typically they're going to focus on one thing at a time, mm. whereas if it's focused, if it's going to the right, like mine, we're kind of taking in a lot of information peripherally. Mm. So... The example that I gave this week was that my stepson, his face is left. He's just got a lot of that left in his, in his chart. Mm -hmm. And he, when, when he's talking to you, he wants your full attention because how could you be paying attention if you're not giving your full attention? Yeah. And he was, he was recounting, um, like a video game and it wasn't that, I mean, I wanted to listen, but I have a hard time listening, especially in a group, if someone is just, like, talking at me and I can't look at something else. Yeah. It's different one-on-one. If it's one-on-one and I'm having a conversation, I'm not going to be, like, looking somewhere else. But I've just noticed that if I'm in, like, a Zoom call, I need to, like, doodle or look away mm-hmm. or scroll Pinterest. Other people said they do this, too. I always just thought I was a bad listener. So I was scrolling on my phone as he's talking about this, and he was, like, put that away. You're really distracting me. Like, how can you possibly be listening? Mm. And so knowing that his points left, I mean, I, he wouldn't let me scroll on my phone. So I just gave it up, but I was like, Ooh, so hard to listen. <laughs> like, it yeah. was just like very hard. Like my brain wanted to go somewhere else. Mm. So it's kind of that, that interesting, like digestion of food, digestion of information. So for you, if yours facing left, like, does that resonate with you? Do you feel that you're more of like a focuser? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. I'm, you know, um, definitely focused on the one thing that has my attention at that time, you know, and I think multitasking is just not good for me. You know, I will will do it because I've, I don't know, I've always felt or I guess I've conditioned to think that I need to be able to do a million things at once. And it's not that I can't do that, but I get the best... um, outcomes and you know it flows more freely if I just go I'm doing this right this is what this is my focus right now and and that flows more freely you know like I'm someone that has like 10 books on the go you know and it's like Mm -hmm. I'll be I'll be reading like 10 different books and I'll pick up whatever feels like but I'll be very focused on that I won't pick up another book until I read that one chapter so I've got that focus you know so there is that kind of tendency, which I think is conditioning to try and multitask, whereas I definitely know in myself that it's like a focused thing. I don't know how it expresses in food, because again, when I was younger, I used to be really ridiculously strict and obsessed with my diet and food and exercise. And I definitely had to let that go just to be a healthy human. 
Um, so I tend to just eat when I'm hungry. But um, so I don't know how that fits in with that. Um, but I, I think it does because it's like you're getting this message like I, I burned through all my fuel. Yeah. It's time to. Whereas for me, I, I don't really equate that so much with like my mind. Like I don't really reach those points of like, okay, I need more fuel. To, it's yeah, it's just, it's different. But it's it definitely, not as, like, it definitely resonates with me when, when you said that example of, you know, if I'm working on something, I need to keep refueling. I definitely, that definitely resonates with me. Like consistently keep refueling. I can definitely yeah. see that in myself. And I yeah, can't, that was really interesting. Mm, and I can't focus. Like, if I'm really hungry, then that's, like, i got to eat, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I can't focus on other things. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. For me, sometimes it's almost like having to eat is a distraction to what I'm doing. Like, oh, crap. Like, my body, <laughs> I guess I should eat something. I mean, I still eat plenty and whatever. I, and I also think that food in particular is a place where a lot of us take on so much conditioning. Like yeah. just the con, just every conversation about food is there's just not a lot of room in it for thinking about how we might be designed differently. So that's one that I'm, I'm just at the very beginning of, of kind of unraveling Thank just you because you get, you know, it's like, you go to work and you have your lunch break and then you get home and you yeah. have dinner and like, yeah, that just, that kind of conditioning just like sticks with you for so long. And yeah. And then when you're a kid, sit at the dinner table until you've finished everything and you know, that kind of thing. You don't get dessert until you finish everything that's on your plates and those kind of conditionings. Yeah. Um, I guess I had, in terms of food, I had it from both ways, you know, when you were younger, when I was younger, like my, nanny was very much like that very formal very about manners and she you you know you you had to finish your whole plate until you know you definitely didn't get dessert if you didn't finish everything and um i'm gonna look at my brother's chart actually because he was always getting into trouble you know because he was like all over the place and he wanted to play this and he wanted to play that and then grab a piece of food i can guarantee you his was is right pointing right um, probably <laughs> or there's there's even like other things I mean there's so much I won't like I am not an expert at all in in this part of it but mm -hmm. um, we all have kind of like a certain uh, like eating style and mm -hmm. there's some people that are called like nervous where they literally can't like digest their food well if unless they're moving around and there's a lot of like stuff around them like they need to be moving around in their environment so I bet you money that's mm. his because it's just like you can pick it's so funny how these things are like my my stepson his is high sound which means that it, he needs to be like there needs to be like a lot of information around him so he literally wants to eat dinner while listening to a podcast or watching youtube every night so we just like he just like eats dinner in his room we just let him do that mm. and it's just like i couldn't make this up like i yeah. couldn't so. yeah i know and it, it's very interesting how aspects of human design when i sort of read about different aspects of myself i can absolutely see my younger self i'm just like wow she expressed that so beautifully you know like i really align to that and that's kind of the energy that i go back to i'm like okay i saw myself expressing that who told me that i shouldn't express that because yeah when it comes to food then i also had that definite you know i mean unhealthy relationship with food 
our, you know, at high school, you know, we were obsessed with being thin and, you know, starving ourselves basically. And so there was a lot of conditioning around that. And I, I think that a lot of us go through that. And it's really sort of deconstructing how I sort of let go of all of that is I just let it go and, um, you know, eat whatever I want. And people are sometimes horrified, like, how are you still thin? You know, <laughs> or if you didn't eat that, then you would be thinner or whatever. But I'm just like, I'm not interested. I want to eat what my my body desires or is my body is craving at that time. And a lot of times it's really healthy. But, um, yeah. you know, and then let it, let my body do what it's meant to do. Be the shape that it's meant to be. Like, let it be. I'm, you know, so that's interesting. And so what is the arrow below it? What does that mean? So that one... Like my main takeaway from, from that arrow is it's speaking to your environment. So we each have like an, I kind of are an ideal human design environment, which is also kind of a lot to get into, but what this arrow is seeing is whether you are an observer in your environment or you're kind of there to be observed. Mm. So if it points to the right, it means that you don't really want people to watch you do stuff. Like it doesn't feel supernatural to have that. And you're going to be more of the person who is looking around in that environment and looking at other people. Mm. If you have it going left then you kind of feed off of being seen or being watched. Like these are the kids that are always like, mom, watch, watch me. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> and so it's like you, it's not that you don't see things around you, but you're just a bit more like in your own experience. And then these, that left or right side of that kind of correlates to the type of environment you have. So there's like these, six environments because there's always six of everything in human design but then there's like two variants of each one there's kind of like a left or right version mm. so for instance if we go look at yours so this actually doesn't say yeah see so the right see so the right facing valleys so valleys it's really interesting that your environment is valleys mm. because podcasting is kind of like the ideal valleys experience so it's like <laughs> yeah. an intimate place where people make a connection particularly in an acoustic way oh wow <laughs> so like a connection through sound um i'm trying to remember is that it's valleys and they're over i think so i'm pretty sure that the valleys with the right facing arrow is is called wide valleys mm. I could be wrong about that, but there's two valleys. So there's like wide valleys where it's like a more general, um, like open environment. So this would be like a group of people all going to hear a talk mm -hmm. together. Um, it's like you're sharing in that experience with a collective. And so you're kind of there to like, to experience it with other people and exchange that energy. Whereas you can also have valleys narrow, which is where it's going to be more of like a one-on-one -on -one conversation, mm. but they're both about kind of like that sound exchange and like, um, like an intimate environment, but one's a bit more like, like open. open than the other. Mm. So each environment kind of has that, like mine is, um, mine is wet kitchens, <laughs> which is kind of funny. <laughs> Um, <laughs> what does that mean 
Yeah, I have a friend who doesn't really know human design, and she's also wet kitchens, and every every <laughs> once in a while she'll text me and be like, so Rach, what about the wet kitchen? Wet kitchens is kind of like, it's like alchemy. It's mm. like a city, a lot of different energies mixing together. Like for me, just sitting in a like a sidewalk cafe in a busy city, that's kind of that ideal environment for me. So with wet kitchens, I, I'm the one who kind of likes to be like seen in the environment. So I do kind of like, it's like I, I did a little experiment the other day and I filmed something for something I'm going to make. And mm. I went into my ideal environment and I, I set up at this table and I was kind of just like, oh yeah, I'm like vibing on this. This is great. I haven't been out of the house much in a while. I was outside. And I just started to notice like people were just really looking at me. I mean, I had a camera with me, but... Mm. It was like, they were like interacting with me and coming up. And I was like filming something. This guy like jumped into my shot. And I was like, yeah, this is like, this is me in kitchens. And people are watching me in the kitchen. Okay. And in the other one, yeah, you're, you're it's called dry kitchen. You're, you're cooking up something in the kitchen. Yeah. That's so cool. And it was like, together we kind of cooked up something in a way. Because now like that guy's going to be in my video. He was like, I hope you like that. I was like, oh, it's a video. I got to like. Oh, and I cool. love that example because now I can use it and be like, this is me in my kitchens. Yeah. But uh, the dry kitchens, it's like if your arrow points left, you're energized in your environment. Like you get in that and you're like, ooh, this is pumping me up. If mm. it points right, you're relaxed in that environment. So I always tell mm. people like, you know you're in your right environment if you're like an energized person, you're feeling energized, like a left arrow person. And if you're a right arrow person, you know, you're in the right one. If you're feeling relaxed, because that is definitely not my experience when I go out like that, like I'm energized. Mm. Whereas, um, someone else with that right facing environment would be like chilled, chilled out. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so interesting. So I've, I've not really delved into the environment kind of thing because the valleys, especially this year, because I am somewhat isolated. I'm not in India where I usually live. And so I'm, you know, on my own mostly. Um, or I'm on my, not mostly, but I'm on my own a lot more than I usually would. I'm not in my mm -hmm. valley environment. Um, mm -hmm. And so I was like, how do I work? How does this work in, in this space? But um, it's really interesting that you brought in the podcasting element because I'm connecting mm -hmm. with my people in um, an audio thing when you said that as well I was just like I love being at a music festival so that's yeah. so in line with that like I'm super relaxed in that space as well it's so in line with with that it's so interesting how these things just like match in your life it's really cool totally and the other side the other two arrows the black arrows yeah to be totally honest these are still kind of ones that I am learning about mm. but so a really good takeaway from the bottom right arrow is that this is used a lot in like manifestation, like Lacey Phillips uses yeah. it in her manifestation stuff, yeah. but I think it's solid what the way that she uses it is it's kind of about like, it's, it's almost like your, your perspective on things. And if you have it facing toward the left, when you look toward your future, when you are like getting a perspective on something, being really clear kind of as you look toward that future is really like, that's very healthy for you. And it helps you kind of program your sort of inner GPS. Like, yeah, I always, I talk about that in my readings with people, like what you're doing, especially as a generator, because 
your whole life is based on your desires and your yes or no to something is by knowing what your desire is, you're kind of like just putting those coordinates in and then you don't really have to think about it too much. Your yeses and your noes from there on out will kind of guide you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So if you've got it left facing, being really specific about what you want to like create or bring into the world is really helpful. Yeah. And if you have it right facing, like you're just not like being forcing yourself to be specific in some way can like rob you of some experiences that you're meant to have. So for instance, like my partner, his face is right. And I mean, he, like, if I were to ask him, what's your dream, what's your goal? He'd be like, what? I don't know. Like, I just want to do the thing that I'm enjoying right now. Mm -hmm. And that's completely correct for him. For me, I have it facing left. And so I'm very clear on where I want to go. And so yeah, I'm kind of like the one that has the plan <laughs> for yeah. for all of us because I'm the one in the house that has that facing left. So, and, and so knowing that when I, with the two the two of them, my partner and his son, like you know they they both have a lot of talents and they want to do a lot of things. But if I were to push them to say like, well, what do you want to do with that? They would just be like, I don't know. And so I've done that before. Like I've asked them like, do you want to do that? And they're just like, well, I don't maybe yeah maybe and so now I just know that because before I might have been like well you need to know what you're gonna do because how are you gonna get there but that's not true for them yeah so I've heard it described as well as the right facing is um the left facing is like the the details and the right facing is how do I how do I want to feel you know so maybe exactly the left facing in terms of manifestation is like specifics of like what we want to birth in the world um you know, physically, and whereas the right facing is more about how how do we want to feel around whatever we're birthing into the world. So I thought that was quite. But is there anything? This is one question actually that I wanted to ask you about human design. When we look at like astrology, uh, astrology charts, for example, for me, when I look at my astrology chart, it's a lot of space of understanding. Um, an overview of understanding of what my potential personality traits lean towards and I find Mm -hmm. it particularly useful to have that information because then I can be like okay I can I'm a Sagittarius I can tend to be you know um, speak my mind and be abrupt or whatever which is a great trait being you know direct and honest and everything like that but there's a space to bring myself into balance you know Um, and so I observe that kind of chart in that way that it's like okay here are my points I can tend to lean out of balance on this so I can balance it out do we look at human design in a similar way so like for me I tend to lean towards being very specific but would it help me to balance it out to bring in some of that feeling energy into that or is it with or is it a go go with what it tells you because that's where you're going to find your flow yeah I mean it's with those, it's not as, like, malleable. It kind of is just, like, how you are, you aren't. But I would say that given that this is a new system and we're not giving our power over to random things, yeah. like, it's always just better to experiment with it. It's, like, if something doesn't resonate for you, then try the other thing. But, like, for you and me, it sounds like we know that being clear on it is so much better because if we place the order without all the details, we tend to not like what we get back. So like, that's definitely been my experience is like, I've tried it and it didn't work the other way. But then kind of like what you're, what you're saying about 
sort of the the high and low expressions and possibilities mm. of of like astrology I think we really do have that particularly in the centers because that's where we're taking in that energy that there is some our, our undefined centers in particular there can be some variability there and there definitely are high expressions and low expressions of those centers so mm. that's where I kind of see that come in is like um like let's see you yeah so you and I both have an undefined solar plexus mm -hmm. and so with that it can either be you know a really good opportunity for us to become very wise about emotion to be able to read the room and walk in and be like hey this is what's going on mm -hmm. let's deal with this or we can just like become really <laughs> non-confrontational shove everything down like so it's like you're always given kind of like a high and low expression um or like you have the completely open identity center which yeah. is I think such an interesting one yeah and it's like that can you can either feel like you are clinging on to other people for your sense of direction. That would be kind of like the low expression of that and yeah. just grasping at straws. Like I'm this, I need to become like, I need to define myself. I need to become one thing. I need to just occupy this one thing. Or you can look at it as I have this magnet that pulls the exact right people and experiences form like to me. So yeah. it's like, it's not a lack of power. It's not a lack of self. It's just a different way of interacting. So that's where I really think about that a lot because we do really have those two options. And like, you can, you can see how, like, I feel like I spent my entire life just amplifying other people's emotions and shutting down in the face of, of dealing with those. Yeah. Um, and so balancing that has been really helpful. But then there's other things like the variable areas where they're a little bit kind of like just set. Like you can't really influence them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So is that the, the defined centers are the, the ones where that you don't influence them? Yeah. Like those can take on conditioning. Um, mm -hmm. But mostly it's just like. For instance, I grew up with a mom who has, like you, the completely undefined identity center, mm -hmm. but then mine is super defined. And so I kind of grew up with this message of like, you don't need to, like, you should try things out. You could, you, know, yeah. you, you never know. Like, how do you know you won't enjoy that? Like, mm -hmm. how do you know that's where you're going? And so I kind of got that conditioning. So the defined centers can be conditioned when what, what I had to kind of do was unravel, like, no. I can kind of just trust that thing in there because yeah. that's kind of just in me. <laughs> yeah. wow. So, so yeah, it's less common, um, but it, it can happen. Mm. Well, I mean, I think in terms of, you know, my sacral center, um, you know, is obviously defined as a generator and that's the space that I need to make decisions from. Whereas I feel that I've had a lot of conditioning around, um, processing decisions with my logical mind. I think that we've, mm -hmm. we've really glorified the logical mind in our world, and um, we need to recognize that that's maybe the logical mind is an amazing, amazing machine and tool that has been created for us, but we need to recognize what its job is, and it's not 
a place to discern truth and to make decisions from. It's a place of like analyzing and filing and sorting, you know. So I've definitely been conditioned in that way. And I think that that even the, the kind of that ties in with your physical gut health as well. That gut brain connection is, is so important as well. So, yeah, I think that you're right. They, they can definitely be conditioned. But maybe, you know, in the positive tense that we were talking about in the last episodes of the open centers is the place that you're open to the world. Maybe that the, the defined centers are where it's like, no, no, I got this. You know, I, mm -hmm. I don't need I don't need direction. This space doesn't need to be open to the world's, you know, not criticism, but like um, evaluation. Right. So, um, yeah, it's like, let me be. I don't need your opinion on this thing because this just needs to go here. Yeah. Yeah. So like my gut instinct, for example, this non-negotiable then, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, I don't need the influence from outside sources to to determine that. So yeah, fascinating. Exactly. Exactly. Whereas your completely open identity center, that's basically putting out a beacon to say, send me the next thing that I need on my path. And yeah. that's really magical too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's just very different versions of surrender, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Now we were going to talk about the channels and things like that, but I think that that is a really deep kind of technical conversation so maybe we'll have you back on at some point hopefully and we can <laughs> we can get into those kind of things but I think we've talked a lot about some of the different things and people can have a look at their own chart and see where these different things are and they match up and um, you can also reach out to Rachel for a reading um, to understand your chart in a in a deeper way and so what can people expect when they come and have a reading from you what will they discover and what are the kind of key things that you go over? Yeah, I think particularly if people have a um, my human design reading, which I call a manifestation consultation, mm -hmm. really like I don't present myself as like a full on expert in all the aspects of human design. I mean, maybe I'll I'll go there eventually, but I'm really interested in getting curious about real life and then kind of doing the research from there, I guess. So yeah. I try to present this information in a really grounded way and in a way where someone leaves feeling like, oh, I, I understand how to incorporate these different things into my daily life to make this thing come about. And of course, you know, some of these things that you tell people, like, listen to your gut, these are things that take a lot of practice and it's yeah. a whole journey you have to go on yourself. Um, but yeah, I, that's just what really excites me is like looking at someone's chart and seeing, especially if someone has a question, like I had a really amazing reading yesterday where this person had told me a lot about the, like the challenges they were having. And these readings I do are recorded because I just personally feel, I think just as a one, three, my energy just kind of likes to be by itself. And yeah. I feel like that's also, as a vessel of love who's kind of here to have a universal love, it almost allows me to, like, connect better with the person if their, like, human personality isn't, like, interfering. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's, so I guess that's why I do it that way. Do you but, have an so undefined emotional center as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, too. So, yeah. maybe when that person mine's is in front of you, you're yeah, mine's actually they're feeling. Mine's completely open, so it's very sensitive mm -hmm. to, like, other people's energy. Yeah. 
Um, so, so yeah, doing, she just basically kind of said, I know exactly what I want to do, but I feel it feels really impossible, but I kind of know I'll get there, but I get discouraged. And so like, why is that? And it was really cool. Cause like looking at her chart, I was like, man, like she has so many different things and channels that kind of point to this like stubbornness and tenacity. Mm. And so for her to feel that something is insurmountable or, or she doesn't know how she's going to achieve it. That's actually really in alignment for her and completely healthy mm. um, to know exactly what she wants also completely healthy and, and she will get there. It's like, she has this stubborn energy. And so kind of what I, I pointed her to was like beyond just, you know, basic information kind of about her environment and profile and things like that was like, you know, the don't let anything push your, your very strong, tenacious energy in a direction that isn't, that doesn't feel natural for you because that, that vehicle that you have more so than most people is just very strong. Kind of, I said, like a river cutting, cutting through rock basically. And so if you're like overthinking it and trying to like push that in all these different directions, that'll slow you down. But if it feels kind of impossible, that's sort of right. Because it, of course it feels impossible for water to cut through rock. (laughs) That seems crazy, but like it does. So so yeah, it's just, it, I never know what's going to happen in one. And, um, so it's like, you know, she left knowing like, okay, every day get myself in this environment for a while. Yeah. Um, understand, you know, how I'm going to best show up and interact with people, like in my relationships, just with those profile numbers and, um, and then just how to work with that, that inner authority, that gut response. And so, yeah, that's what I'm really interested in doing in those readings. And they're, they're always really magical. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. They sound incredible. And um, can you recommend any resources as well that you think might be useful for our listeners that want to sort of have a look deeper into their human design? Yeah, so I think that a combination of following some people online that I think do a really good job of sharing their real life experience. So three people that I would recommend are Vanessa Henry. She's just at Vanessa Henry. Um, she is a manifester and a friend of mine that I just have met through Instagram and through human design. Um, and then P the, the fairy, but F E A R Y like P as in P E A. Um, she's a manifesting generator. She has really interesting perspective and, and information that she shares. Mm. And then, um, oh yes. And then Alex Cantone. So A-L-E-X-C-A-N-T-O-N-E. She um, was specializing in um, children, but she's kind of expanding out now and she's a projector. So these are all three very different types. Um, they're great to follow. I think if you're into books, Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the books out there are kind of from the the, the original oh, generation human yeah. design people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like this little book called The Human Design Activation Guide by Karen Curry Parker. I think it's really mm-hmm. tangible and um, like simple, but without being 
too simple. And she really gets to the kind of the mission behind why we're doing all this. And I think that's really beautiful. And then if you're just someone like I, I find a lot of people are trying to find information about the gates and channels and things in particular online. Mm-hmm. I think online is just not the place to do that. If you're feeling really uh, want, like you're wanting to go to that level, like you're one line and you want to know all the info, like, yeah. like the two of us, mm-hmm. just go for it and buy the um, Ra'uru, who is the definitive guide to human designs, like the big textbook, it's like 50 bucks, but there's like so much in there and yeah. it's definitely worth it. And he covers all the gates, all the six expressions of each gate because there are six of everyone. And I just think if you're, if you really want to go down that deep into the rabbit hole, it's good to just invest in that official resource because like everything, you can't trust everything you read on the internet. So yeah, I think a combination of like real life people and books is great. Amazing. And, um, so before I let you go, can you give us, um, a short exercise or practice that um, would really help us integrate human design into our daily life and we can implement it straight away. Yeah, I think it's kind of what I mentioned before of just like at one point in each day, connect with how you're feeling about what you're doing. Mm. I think particularly as a generator or manifesting generator, the world is built in a way that we can kind of handle it. I think often non-sacrals, the reflectors, projectors, and manifestors of the world realize much earlier in their lives that that's not for them, that they need to do something different. I think for generators and manifesting generators, we get kind of sucked into doing things in a certain way. And we don't notice when we're starting to feel that sinking contracting, no, not, not lit up feeling. And so it can be hard to admit that you're having that, but the more that you could, because you're like, what do I do with this? I need to make money. I need to, you know, it it can kind of send you into a panic, but it doesn't have to be that drastic of a change that you make. Sometimes it's as simple as like, Ooh, you know, I feel really bad about this meeting that I have scheduled every Monday. Why is that? To like the morning when I feel more alert, And then all of a sudden that meeting might become a yes, you know? So it's just little things like that. Like, what am I feeling that resistance toward in my life? And is there one small change I could make for that to be more of something that I feel excited about doing? And I think like the more you do that every day, those tiny little changes, like they add up into an entire life where it's like you aren't feeling forced to always be putting your energy into something that doesn't feel good for you. Yeah, yeah. And what about the things that you kind of have to do? Like for me, I will procrastinate admin kind of things forever because I'm just like, oh, so boring, you know? And so, but it's a fact of life. It's a fact of having a business. We have, um, you know, compliances and all of these kind of things. Yeah. How do you handle those things? Do you... um, suggest delegation as much as possible and you know is there a way that you cut you have a style that you kind of come at those things with a fresh perspective that sort of makes it feel lighter how do you handle those sorts of things yeah I think where possible outsource but of course that's not always possible Mm -hmm. um 
I'm not really at a place where I outsource almost anything in my life. So for those things that you can't do that with or you don't want to, I think that what I've found, like, I'm never going to want to do laundry. I just mm-hmm. not something I'm going to want to do. Yeah. But it's a fact of life. But I find that generally if I'm in alignment enough in the rest of my life, I have enough space for that mm. that it's kind of, that I'll kind of be like, well, okay, I'm just going to kind of make this into a game. And I'm going to say, like, if I feel just so overwhelmed by folding that entire thing, I'm going to set the timer for, like, five minutes, and I'm going to, like, yeah, see how much I get done. You know, it's just, like, playing those little games with yourself. But I really think that, like, the more that I got that stuff out of my life that was just a real no, the yeah. more I could kind of ride the waves of the things that I was that really into. Like, I can kind of get going on that energy mm-hmm. and then sort of coast on it into that stuff that was, like, not as good but if it's something that really is a no try to outsource it (laughs) that's so interesting because I that's exactly how I you know combat procrastination because it's like I have it in my head that like oh you know what today I don't feel like it but tomorrow I'll probably feel like it and then a week's gone by and it's like you really have (laughs) to do this now you know, and so I, that's how I try and combat the things that I do have to do. They're pa- practical part of life, but, um, you know, I just commit to doing them for 15 minutes and, um, usually I'll just go for half an hour that, you know what I mean? Once you're, once you're in it yeah. and you're doing it, then you kind of, you know, you're, you're in it. Um, so that, that's also, that's an interesting thing that you also, that's how you trick yourself into doing the things that you, you know, don't love about your day so that's that's a good takeaway too yeah I think something in particular for generators generators in particular manifesting generators not as much they can be a bit more like they can move into action a little bit quicker but like particularly for generators which is 35 percent of us we have a hard time getting going on stuff beginnings are always kind of the hardest for us Mm -hmm. um And it's hard for us to conceive of the fact that anything could ever be hard to keep going. Because once we're rolling, it's like we can keep going forever. Like, it's almost hard to stop. So I think that just knowing that about myself, knowing that, like, starting the thing is going to be the hardest. Also, like, I've kind of gotten to the place where I, like, sometimes my brain wants me to do it before I actually have to do it. And maybe sometimes that's what my body's telling me. If I don't need to do that thing until Friday and I can easily accomplish it on Thursday why is it on my to-do list on Monday so yeah. I'll kind of go through and like just yeah. cross that out and and recognize that like no like when when I need to do that my body will find the energy so that's mm-hmm. like another thing too is just like not letting my head dictate too much of like when I'm doing things because generally it's like and there you know there are ways you could explain why that is in my design and stuff but it's like my body knows most of the time. So if it's really, really resisting it, sometimes I have to step back and think like, wait, does this actually have to happen right now? Or could it maybe happen at a different time? And most of the time, if I give it the space, then I reach that moment. And I'm like, well, well, that's due now. Then it's like, okay, then I do it. It's not a big, not a big problem. That's a, that's a great tip. That's a really great tip. And, yeah. um, is there anything else that we haven't covered that you would really love to cover or you have in your heart to share about human design? I don't think so. I would just say, like, 
let it be a fun experiment. Don't get too bogged down in the info. There's so much info out there. And if you just spent a year living through your strategy and authority, the most basic things that sound the least sexy kind of, (laughs) your entire life would transform. So when in doubt, always go back to the basics. Totally helpful. Rachel, I could talk to you for another two hours. Honestly, (laughs) I could pick your brain for so long. Um, But thank you so, so much for being so generous with your time. And thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was really wonderful. Yeah, it was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode and you got some things to take away from our amazing guests' insight. If you did enjoy this episode, please subscribe and also leave us a review. And for more information on the Hadassah Collective, you can visit our Instagram page at Hadassah Collective. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode at the same time next week. And until then, have a wonderful week.